be reading from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, the Pewback Bible, that's on page 982, Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 17, and the scripture reads, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. The purpose of mission work is to spread the word of God. To accomplish this objective, God's people often work in foreign and domestic lands to preach the gospel. By working with missionaries, churches are able to share the good news of the salvation through Jesus Christ with those who live in places where sometimes Christianity has never been heard of. We are commanded to do mission work. After his resurrection and before his ascension to heaven, Jesus spoke of the importance of mission work. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you to the end of age. From these verses, we learn that people need to hear the gospel. It's God's will for us to spread the gospel to all the world. A dedicated missions program provides God's people with an opportunity not only to spread the word more effectively, but also to provide his people with the opportunity to strengthen the relationships within the congregation by obeying his commands. You all have been exceedingly generous in supporting the missions work here at Katy. You have been generous with your financial resources and with your personal time. To help us better appreciate how many of these funds and efforts are being put to use, this slide reflects all of the missionaries and their location of work, which we support here at Katy on a regular basis and on a one-time basis around the globe. There were 22 missionaries supported in 2021. Of those 22 missionaries, we provided ongoing monthly support for nine Mexico missionaries. We provide three missionaries outside of the U.S. in Scotland, Italy, and Cambodia, and three missionaries in the U.S in North Dakota, Vermont, and Connecticut with partial support on a regular basis for their work in those areas. In addition, we have what we call a one-time request, which might typically result from an unexpected need of a missionary or a missionary losing support from a supporting congregation or an individual due to financial or health reasons. When our deacons who, who are over this work see these these worthy opportunities, we try and help. 
This slide reflects 10 separate missionaries and their location, which the Katy congregation supported in 2021 based on a one-time request. Because of God's blessings and your generosity, we are now considering 10 additional missionaries' requests for one-time support here in December, and we hope to be able to support them in the coming year. Our five-year plan is, Lord willing, that each year we're able to provide partial support for a new missionary here in the U.S. and internationally outside of Mexico. In Mexico, we hope to add one new missionary with full support each year. Lastly, to deepen our fellowship with our missionaries, we are planning a missionary seminar in 2022 with all missionaries we support invited. By providing attention to the mission's work here at Katy, the elders hope to first increase awareness about the many good works that God allows us to take part in. And second, through John's lesson this morning, to better help us appreciate the special relationship we have and share with missionaries we support. The elders here at Katy, thank you for your love of Jesus Christ and his gospel, and please pray for our missionaries. If it's God's will, this mission work here at Katy will bear fruits for years to come. We're glad to see you this morning. I know we've got a number of visitors with us. We're especially glad that you have come to be with us this morning, to worship with us. And as you've already surmised, we're spending this morning's worship service especially focusing, concentrating on mission work. Mission work is something that is close to the heart of God. Jesus, in his parting words to his disciples at the end of the book of Matthew, said, go and preach to all the nations Go into all the world, he said in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and preach the gospel to every creature. If we appreciate Jesus and if we understand what he's done for us, there ought to be something within us as a congregation and as individuals that says, we want to send the light. We want to ring out the message. We want everyone to know something about Jesus and what he's done for us. And because that's true, we as a congregation and we as individuals ought to be passionate about, we ought to be interested in missions. Most of you know that Angie and I and and our kids, we, we moved overseas several years ago. And we worked for two years in Tanzania, East Africa as missionaries full time. I feel like in some ways that I I learned a lot about the relationship between churches and missionaries from that experience. And when I stop and think about the New Testament, there are lots of passages that deal with the relationship between congregations and missionaries. But I wanna show you this morning that there's one passage in particular that deserves our thought and deserves our attention. Open your Bibles, if you haven't done so already, to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Most people think of Philippians as the epistle of joy. It's the epistle that says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians 4 verse 4. 
But Philippians is also something of a thank you note. Paul the missionary is writing a thank you note to the Philippian congregation. It was a congregation not unlike us. People who had been baptized for the remission of their sins, who were doing their best to faithfully serve the Lord. That's who the Philippians were. And Paul was writing this letter, and it's it's an inspired letter, to thank them for what they had done for him in continually sending support to him over the years. And it's noteworthy that Paul, when he writes the letter to the Philippians, is in prison. He's under house arrest in Rome. And he says, I've received the support that you sent all the way to Rome. I've received what you've given me. Thank you. And he has a number of things to say. Read with me, if you would, beginning in Philippians 4, verse 10. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 10. Listen to how often he references their support and the gift that they had sent and the supply that they had provided. Listen to what he's saying here. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 10. The missionary Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. That's the, that's the support they sent. Though surely you did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak, Paul says, in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, he says in verse 14, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians also know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, that's where Philippi was, when I left, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again for my necessities. Not that I, Paul, the missionary, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'd like for you to notice in this passage, there are four great reasons why every congregation ought to be involved in helping missionaries. Four great reasons why this ought to be our passion, this ought to be the subject of our prayers, and this ought to be a focus of every New Testament congregation. And reason number one, if you'll look at Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13, is this. When we give and when we are sacrificial regarding mission work, it demonstrates our love for God's work. Make no mistake about it, Paul was doing God's work. What he was doing was sending the light. What he was doing was sharing the gospel message with everyone, everywhere he went. And the Philippian congregation, they had been beneficiaries of that. Paul had come to Philippi. Do you remember in Acts chapter 16 when Paul came to Philippi with Silas and they found Lydia? Lydia and her household worshiping with some other Jews down by the river. And Paul preached the gospel and Lydia became the first convert, she and her household, there in Philippi. And then later Paul and Silas were arrested and thrown in prison 
and they were singing at midnight and there was a great earthquake and the door of the jail opened and that led to the Philippian jailer being converted. And so the Philippian congregation, they had been beneficiaries of the work that Paul had done. And they said, when Paul left Philippi and went to other places, we wanna help. We wanna help of what you're doing because you're doing God's work. And brothers and sisters and friends, when we get involved in world missions, when we get involved in helping people who go to other places to preach, we're being involved in God's work. This is what he is doing in the world. And one of the questions as you look at verses 10 through 13 that comes to mind is, why Paul? I mean, okay, yes, Paul is the one who converted those people, so obviously they have a love for him, but why support someone like Paul? How do we as a congregation decide who we should and should not help support? Because there does need to be discernment in who we're a part of and who we're partakers with. How do we decide? What was Paul all about? He is a man who preached the gospel, brothers and sisters and friends. There was no question that that was Paul's passion. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, that's a missionary. Woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16, that's a missionary. I am set for the defense of the gospel. Philippians 1 verse 17, that's a missionary. He is all about the gospel. He is all about the good news. He wants God's word to be made known. And he goes to the marketplaces and he goes to the synagogues. And even when he's in prison, chained to a Roman guard, he's talking to the guard that's chained to him. That's a missionary. He preaches the gospel. Why support someone like Paul? Because it's obvious that he loves the church. Paul is not off on all kinds of wild adventures without any kind of moorings, without any kind of anchor. Paul loves the church of Christ, the church that belongs to Jesus Christ that you read about. He's the one that coined that phrase by inspiration. The churches of Christ greet you, Romans chapter 16, verse 16. And Paul has a deep and abiding love for the church, so much so that when you read Philippians 1, he's praying for the church. He's constantly rejoicing every time he remembers the church at Philippi. This is a man who loves the gospel, he loves God, and he loves God's church. And I want you to notice this as well. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, look at the passage. Philippians 4, 13 is one of the most famous verses in the entire New Testament. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you know that it was a missionary who said that? And did you know that he was saying those words in response to, in the context of telling a supporting congregation, I can, I can rejoice in the money that you send me, but I can do fine without it as well. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What Paul says in this passage is really insightful. He's a missionary, he's about the gospel, he loves the church, and he shows integrity in financial matters. Paul is not looking to get rich, to get wealthy as a missionary. He's thankful for what the Philippian congregation provides in support for him. But Paul says, I know how to be abased. That means I know how to do without. I know how to abound. I know what it means to have everything I need and more. 
I know what it's like to do without. I know what it's like to be blessed abundantly. And he says, I can do everything with contentment through Christ who strengthens me. This is a man when it comes to financial matters, deals with integrity. There is something about missions and mission work that seems to sometimes attract people who can be unscrupulous in the way that they go seeking funds, in the way that they use funds that have been given for a certain purpose, but Paul would have none of that. He is a missionary through and through, and it's not about him, and it's not about his personal wealth. It is about Christ and the gospel, and that's who he is seeking to exalt. That's somebody worthy of support. Those are the kinds of people that we ought to pray for and we ought to exalt and we ought to lift up. And Paul would say, don't exalt me, exalt Christ after all. I want you to notice very quickly before we leave this point in verse 10, the Philippian congregation, they wanted desperately to support Paul. They, they had this attitude, we really wanna help you, Paul. We, we are looking for opportunities. That's a Christ-like thing from a congregation. We love to have an opportunity. Did you know that some of the people that are currently missionaries overseas in other places around the world, some of them will say to you, if you contact them, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, I'm full, I'm, ab- I'm abounding. I don't need additional support, but thank you for your interest. And apparently Paul had said some of those things to the Philippian Christians in the past. But now that Paul was in prison, now that he was there in Rome and he was suffering, He was so thankful for what they did send. I know that you wanted to help me, but you lacked opportunity, but you love God's work and that's what's important here. Do we as a congregation have that same sense of passion for missions that we see in the Philippian church? Here's a second great reason to be involved in missions around the world. As you look at verses 14 and 15, it's an expression of fellowship in Christ. And that word fellowship is not used accidentally or lightly. As a matter of fact, it's used twice. If you could look at this passage in the Greek language, in verse 14 and in verse 15, Paul uses the word koinonia. That's the word fellowship or sharing or participation your translations may have. And here's the message. When we give... When we take the money that's collected from the regular contribution or from the special contribution, and as Ray pointed out, you all have been phenomenally generous over the past year and in years previous. May God be praised for the generosity that you show and the sacrifice that you display in giving so generously to his work. When we give, number one, we participate in the work that is going on. It's as if we're saying to the missionary who's involved in a work in a a foreign place, we're saying, this is our work too. We want to be part of this. Look at what Paul says in verse 14 again. He says, nevertheless, you've done well in that you koinoniaed, you shared in my distress. Paul was arrested. He spent two years being moved from place to place, finally getting on a ship and even being shipwrecked before he finally made it to Rome where he is when he writes this letter. And Paul says, you've done well in that all those things that I suffered, you have been partakers in those things. You've shared in those things with me. John warns us in 2 John verses 9 through 11, 
that we are not to have fellowship, we're not to greet, we're not to encourage people who are known to be false teachers, people who are known to, in his case, deny some very important facts about who Jesus is. And John says in 2 John verse 11, that if you greet such a person, if you bid them Godspeed, that you are a partaker, you have fellowship in their evil works. But when we say to a missionary, a family that is serving the Lord and doing the things that we just talked about a moment ago, when we say to them, we want to help you, we are partakers also in their good works. Secondly, as you think about this the idea of expressing fellowship in Christ, what we're doing is communicating in a very practical, tangible way our love and our concern for the missionary himself. Look at verse 15. You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Philippi was a special congregation to Paul. Other congregations were involved in mission work. That was a part of what an early congregation understood its purpose to be. But Philippi said, we want to help you in particular, Paul. We love you. We're thankful for you for the kind of man you are and for the kind of work that you're doing. And two observations. As you think about these principles, the idea that when we give to a work, we are, we are in fellowship with that work. Observation number one is that fellowship must be more than mere giving. If all we ever do is write a check and mail it, we're not doing justice to what the New Testament says about mission work. It's more than mere giving. And secondly, sacrificial giving is a mark of discipleship. When the Philippians became Christians, when Lydia and the Philippian jailer and others there in Philippi, when they obeyed the gospel, they understood that their mission in life had changed. We're going to live for Jesus now and we're going to give sacrificially because we realize this is what disciples do. We care about those who are in foreign places like Paul who are communicating the gospel to others. And it's our work too. And we love the person who's doing this and we wanna do our best to encourage Fellowship must be more than mere giving. We need to pray for our missionaries. We need to write to our missionaries. We need to visit our missionaries. We need to remember our missionaries. Those that we love and care about, those things must happen. A third great reason as you study this passage is to be involved in missions and mission work. Look at verses 16 and 17. This is one that might surprise you because you think about what we do here at Katy. There are so many different ways in which our character can be developed, but helping in foreign missions develops Christian character. As a congregation, it helps us to think about someone other than ourselves. As individuals, it helps us to remember the sacrifice that's involved in serving and following the Lord Jesus Christ. It develops our character. And so what Paul says, he says in verse 16, even in Thessalonica, very close to Philippi, even when I just went down the road, you sent aid once and again from my necessities. And then in verse 17, he says this, I, Paul, the missionary, I'm not looking for the gift. 
Again, just like what he said in verses 10 through 13, I'm not looking to get rich being a missionary. I'm not constantly looking for more support being a missionary. I'm not looking for that. Rather, here's what I am looking for. Verse 17, I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I'm not concerned about me as a missionary, he says. I'm concerned about you as a congregation, that you are bearing fruit by giving this, th- these funds. You're caring about me, the fruit that abounds to your account. As a Bible student, that gives me pause. Because what he's saying here is, that when we are involved in world missions, when our elders and others, deacons who are responsible for doing this, when they decide we're going to be involved in helping this work or that missionary, when we make those decisions, there is fruit that is produced. And my question that comes to my mind is, all right, what kind of fruit? The fruit that abounds to your account, what kind of fruit does Paul have in mind here? I can think of a number of kinds of fruit that are, that are brought out in this particular passage. First of all, the fruit of souls. When Paul went to places like Thessalonica and Athens and Rome and Paul preached the gospel, inevitably some people obeyed the gospel. They said, we believe that message you're teaching and we wanna serve Jesus too. Luke chapter eight, verse 11, the word of God is a seed that gets planted and it always produces Christians. Romans 10 verses 15 through 18 was read earlier this morning. How shall people hear unless someone is sent to preach to them? And how shall they come to faith if they don't hear? The fruit of souls, people are saved. But not only that, there's the fruit of the spirit. As we think about our focus and our emphasis on the gospel going into all the world as a congregation, faithfulness and kindness and self-control and love and peace, the fruit of the Spirit, don't those things increase in us as we give and are involved in world missions? How about the fruit of generosity? I say again, one of the hallmarks of New Testament Christianity is a generous heart, a giving heart. It is a hallmark of a Christian. If we have a stingy spirit, we're not very much like Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20 and verse 35. And Paul's saying to the church, I want the fruit that abounds to your account. I want souls that are going to be in heaven because you had a part in this work. I want for, for the fruit of the spirit to be more and more evident in your lives as a congregation. I want generosity to be something that characterizes you. I've made the observation over the years that just like people have personalities and everybody's got a little bit different personality, churches, congregations have personalities too. Have you ever noticed that? You've been to other churches, other congregations, different personalities. When it comes to the church here at Katy, my prayer, and I hope yours too, is that a big part of our personality is that we're generous, that we're giving, that we're thoughtful and kind toward those who are in need. The fruit of generosity. By this is my father glorified, Jesus said, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. John chapter 15 and verse eight. 
bearing fruit. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. It's a reason to be involved in missions. Our character's developed. And then a fourth great reason when you look at this passage to be involved in missions for the glory of God, to the praise and as part of the work of God, why should we do this? Because it shows our reliance on him. It shows our reliance on him. We put our trust in God. And I want you to notice specifically what's being said through this passage in verses 18 through 20, because all the focus and all the emphasis goes back to God. Despite all the good work that's being done and despite all the ways in which people are being blessed, it's about God first and foremost. What happens when churches support missionaries? Missionaries are supplied, first of all, verse 18. The apostle Paul says, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. So Philippi had taken up a collection. They had provided some things that Epaphroditus carried over to Rome, which was not an insignificant journey. And Paul was supplied. The people who serve God in difficult places and difficult works have what they need to keep on serving. God does that through us. Secondly, there are new opportunities for service. Epaphroditus, that's not a name that you've probably thought a great deal about, but he is worthy of your study. Because Epaphroditus, Paul says, in taking this gift from Philippi to Paul in Rome, nearly died. He doesn't tell us all the details except that Epaphroditus become, became very sick. And in Philippians 2 verses 29 and 30, Paul holds him up and reveres him and says, you ought to honor Epaphroditus because he nearly died for the cause of Christ. He was serving the Lord and he was bringing this supply to me and he nearly died as a result. But it was an opportunity for Epaphroditus to serve. Show of hands. Okay, this was wake up time. Show of hands. How many of you, show of hands, have ever been on any kind of mission effort, whether it's domestic or whether it's, it's foreign? Maybe you went on a one week long trip. Maybe you went for a couple of days to encourage a missionary. How many? Hold your hands up high. That's a great thing. You know where those opportunities came from? From people who cared about missions, from people and churches who cared about doing foreign mission work. Those opportunities are made available to you personally. And I want to say this before I leave Mr. Epaphroditus, because he is worthy of our following in his footsteps. Back in 2019, I can distinctly remember sitting in an elders meeting and we had a discussion about what we were doing with our missionaries. And the elders agreed and said, one of the priorities we need to have is to go and to visit the people and the works that we're supporting around the world. We need to have boots on the ground where we can see with our eyes and hear with our ears the good things that are being done. We read the reports and we hear the things that are being said about these mission works, but we want to go and we want to check on these people and we want to see how we can be even more encouraging to the things that are being done in these places. And then in March, 2020, they shut down everything. Nobody's traveling anywhere. Nobody's going anywhere to go see anybody. And that thwarted that plan. May I kindly suggest this morning 
that we begin once again to pray about that idea and to think about how we can cause that idea to come to fruition. We have missionaries serving in Mexico that we love and have been involved with for decades, literally. And it has been a number of years since we've been to some of the cities where some of those men are working. We have missionaries, as Ray pointed out, in places like Scotland and in Italy and in Cambodia and other places around the world, and we've never been to see some of them. Mission work is more than just sending money. It involves a relationship and it involves encouragement and it involves people like Epaphroditus going on short-term mission trips to say, I want to encourage you and I bring you greetings from the church in Philippi or the church in Katy and I want you to know that we love you and support you and we're wanting to be a part of how we can help you even more. We need that spirit to be revived among ourselves as a congregation. New opportunities for service because we trust God. And one of the things that bothers me about this Omicron thing is everybody's locking down the worldwide travel again. I don't know how long that's gonna last, but I do know this. I do know our missionaries need to hear from us. And I do know we need to go visit them. What happens when churches support missionaries? Look at verse 18, and I want you to think about this very carefully. Paul called the funds and the the supplies that the Philippian congregation sent, he called it an offering to God. And he uses Old Testament imagery. Old Testament imagery. When you would bring a sacrifice to the temple and you would burn that animal on the altar, it came up, the Bible says in the Old Testament, it came up as a sweet smelling aroma before God. It was a sacrifice. You brought your lamb or you brought your harvest, your crops, and you, you, you offered those things to God. And it was a sweet smelling aroma. Look at what he says. He says, when you give to missionaries, in verse 18, this gift sent from you is a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God. We honor God by the way we give or not. And then finally, in verse 19, when we support mission works, our faith in God's abundant provision is being exercised. Our faith in what God is doing and what God is able to do Where do we get the resources to help missionaries? Where do we get the resources to make sure the gospel is preached in other places around the world? Where do those resources originate? They come from God. And that must be our emphasis and focus as well. Look at verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is very similar to what he says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. We are after a harvest, a harvest of souls to the glory of God. As a congregation that meets here at Katy, let it never be said that we sow sparingly that we don't trust in God's ability to provide. Let it never be said of us that we don't have a heart And we don't have a passion for preaching the gospel, both in Katy, Texas and around the world. Because when that's the case with us, we're not really trusting God the way we should. 
He has riches in a storehouse that are available for our use to his glory. If only we'll open our hands and open our hearts and open our eyes and ears to see how we can serve him better. More than anything else, what I hope this lesson does for you this morning is I hope it turns your attention and your heart to the idea that mission work is not just some kind of extracurricular activity. It's not just some kind of hobby or pastime that the church is involved in. This is part of our purpose, our reason for being. It ought to be the subject of our prayers. It ought to be the subject of our sacrifice. It ought to be the subject of our involvement. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. And you want to be a part of this family that belongs to Jesus Christ that is so passionate about making sure that the entire world hears this gospel message. How do I become part of this rich and beautiful fellowship that I, that I read about in Philippians 4? The Bible tells you, believe in Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the only one in whom people will ever find salvation. Believe in him. Confess that he is who he claims to be. Repent of your sin. That means turn away from your sinful lifestyle, your sinful activities, and be baptized. Be immersed in water because you'll come into contact with Christ's saving blood at that point. And you're born anew, born again when you do those things. And you become a part of this wonderful family, this wonderful fellowship that God has provided passionate about missions, passionate about the gospel. If we can help you to obey the gospel this morning, if you have any need, why don't you come forward while together we stand and while we sing.